Hello everyone. Sorry about the lighting here. It's been a bit of a, an interesting morning. And now it's afternoon. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the BCMO Tech Tuesday. I am here to take care of all of you. I don't think we're getting any connections now. Okay, let's try that again. Okay, one, two, three. I think we should be connecting now. There we go. Good afternoon, everyone. Let's try this one more time. Thank you for joining us this wonderful afternoon on another wonderful Tech Tuesday. And thank you so much for all of your support from all around the globe. Let's give everyone a little bit of time to get in here this afternoon. Hello, Ari. <laughs> Ari's right here behind me. She's the first one to come on. Come on. I'm going to wave to Ari right now. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you for joining us. I'm trying something a little different with the YouTube microphone this time around. So please, please let me know your thoughts. If it's clearer or should we do something else? Hello, Cheney. Thumb up. Good seeing you as well. Gonzo. Gonzu. Thank you for joining us as well. Hello, Furmore. Hello, Roth. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Hello, Dad. So for those of you on iTunes and also Radio Public, even on Anchor, thank you for joining us with this podcast while you're working out or driving to work or walking your dogs, whatever the case may be. And for those of you, hello in Orlando, Florida, Cheney. Good seeing you. Oh, good. Hey, Cisco. Thanks to hear that I'm clear. I'm trying something different with our internet today. AJ from across the pond. Thanks for joining us all the way from the UK. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you once again for subscribing to our channel and being part of this great weekly event. I love this so much. Today I'm at the Visa Motor Facility. Have a variety of cars behind me. Have the Odyssey. Have a Porsche 996 Turbo. Have a Viper back there. For those of you who are a part of the Waggle Mafia, there's a Waggle van back there that we've been playing with not too long from now. And the Blue 911, so the shop is kind of full. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you so much, Aaron. I do have a Honda Odyssey, but that's great. Cheers as well to you, sir. Thank you so much. So, of course, I have Ari back here helping me out. Hi, guys. Hello. You hear her back there? She, without her, I'm lost here. She does everything for me. I am lost. I'm nothing. Okay. <laughs> so, um, can I read out every question? Yes, I will try and read out every question for all of you. The wagon, Joe Guy, is back there. See right there? In front of the blue Porsche. Keeping the Porsche company is a crazy clean color waggle van. You can see that back there, which is pretty nice. So hopefully you can see that behind me. And for those of you on YouTube, you have a very wide angle, so you can see everything, right? Priory, I think you see yep, everything. Okay, Beautiful. Hello, Pro Phoenix, Daz, handsome man. Thank you so, so much for joining us. I am doing well, Lex. Thank you so much. Forgive the lighting. It's a bit crazy. We still have this crazy dull lighting here because we're doing some filming. So I had to create a small aperture to allow some natural light to come in, otherwise it's very, very dark in here, you know. Oh, hello, Na. Uh, we miss you out here. Hopefully your travels are going well. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to bring some really good cars, Chris, sooner than you think, and I'll make sure that you're very aware of it. You'll be very proud of what we have, in, what we have planned. So um, I don't have YouTube live. This is a YouTube that will come up later on. So for those of you who want to catch this on YouTube, please subscribe to the BC Motor channel, and we will take good care of you. Hello from Mexico. Thank you for joining us as well. Hello, Dumas. Love your Porsches. Thank you so much for joining us as well. So, without further ado, Ari, what questions do we have that were submitted today? And guys, I'll go back and forth from Ari's questions to some of the questions you have live. Yes, Ari. Our first question comes from BabyZS1. BabyZS1, okay. How much would it cost to build an Odyssey like, like the one that you have? Ah, uh, he's asking how much would it cost to build the Odyssey like what we have here. So, 
once again, some of the things that we do, hey, Zephyr, welcome. One of the things that we do with OEM manufacturers is we get access to these cars most of the time before they hit the marketplace. And the challenge we have as engineers is that we have to design components from scratch. And that could be a very expensive, involved feat. Oh, thank you, AJ. Appreciate the kind words. He likes the lighting, everybody. Yeah. So, I'll try and do this moving forward. It becomes very expensive to create components from stock, from, from scratch, I should say. So it becomes very expensive. So this, this vehicle itself, with all the bespoke parts that went into it, it costs a bit over $50,000, in addition to the cost of the car. So that was very expensive because there's one-off pistons, one-off rods, and we had to do all this within seven weeks, so that was very, very expensive. So for someone to replicate this with now parts that we now have commercially available, if you do all the labor yourself, it could hover in the 20000 range. It wouldn't be so bad, where a majority of that could be in wiring, ECUs, um, a little bit of fabrication, and definitely the um, uh, integration of the engine management into the canvas of the chassis, which could be quite involved. So twenty to 25000 should be a good range for you to be able to replicate this and have a lot of fun. So I hope that answers your question properly. Um, I don't know how much the manual conversion costs alone. You could, well, if I think about that, and that's a great question. If you buy a used gearbox from a wrecking yard, you can get those gearboxes for a grand. And then you can buy a shifter from an EP, you can get that used too. But if you're buying new components and new axes and all good stuff and converting, it could run you close to $5,000. But if you search around quite a bit at wrecking yards and find a, a TL Type S gearbox, you may get it for you know, 1000 to 1200 depending. Um, you can get an EP shifter depending, uh, $100, $200. Do some fabrication yourself. Um, do some conversions on the top to reverse how it actuates for the shifting mechanism because it's backwards on the EP. Um, so you have to kind of change it around on the gearbox. It's not very difficult. Then axles, you can find a combination of the newer style um, hubs from the Odyssey with the older style uh, Odyssey inner axles. They should be okay. It's not too bad. You can probably do it for let's say 2000 depending. So I hope, hope that helps. Good evening, I did good. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. He said the picture is grainy, is what Lex says. Is it pretty grainy there? Yeah. Oh, you know what's it's weird? I am um, using our Wi-Fi. Is yeah, that, it's, it's is it's pausing. It's pausing it's... quite a bit. I don't know if I should go out and come back <coughs> in. The reason why I'm using our Wi-Fi ideally, guys, is because I keep getting these calls in. And if it gets very uncomfortable, please let me know. I'll go back to my uh, standard uh, um, 4 or 5G. I think 4G is what I really have and then make things happen for you guys. But right now, people cannot call in. When they call my phone, it messes up our whole, our whole thing that we're doing here. So I apologize for that. Um, yes, I do, Eric. I do support D-Series Comshack Manufacturing, and by all means, we do. So that being said, we can definitely take care of you, no problem. Um, Hedy says it's good for now, so thank you so much. Thanks so much, Hedy. Um, hello, Saeed. Thanks for doing. Picture is fine for you, Eric. Thank you so much. That's great to know, because I want things to be perfect for all of you. Okay, Ari, what other questions do we have? We have a question from Buchanan 930s. Buchanan 930. He wants to know what California track is your favorite. Ah, before I answer that, ED Force, I will get to yours in a moment. It booted you out. I'm so sorry, AJ, but welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so if we're talking about my favorite tracks, let's see. Road racing, I like the look of Laguna Seca. Beautiful track. I haven't had the opportunity to race there. I love Fontana, maybe because it has that long roval, which I can get it really up to speed. So from a speed perspective, I love Fontana Raceway. But as a technical track, I had the opportunity to explore Button Willow this past weekend, and that was a lot of fun. 
And I almost got to sub two, but not quite. Um, first time out of the track, first time out, you know, trying to get used to the car as well. I still am a bit of a drag racer, and that brings me to the drag racing track. In California, the best drag race track so far is Fontana. Not Fontana, no, I take that back. Not Fontana, I take that back. I would say Pomona, it's a beautiful track. We're not allowed to race there because of noise ordinance, but definitely it's a very pleasant track. Now for quick times, Sacramento. Sacramento is a fast track, which is really awesome. So I hope that answers your question properly. So thank you so much. Um, where would I recommend to start working to get power out of a Z8 without going turbo? So Dr. 94 is asking. So it depends on what magnitude of power you want. If you want something that's very nice and very comfortable, intake camshafts have done. Um, and when I say intake, if you can really, you know, get some ITVs, it really opens things up quite a bit. So if I keep noise, we have a busy complex here, so forgive me, please. Um, hello, Coyote. Hello, Paco. I'm great, and I hope you're doing well as well. Okay, what else do we have, Ari? We have a question from Fox Design. Fox Design, I know he's here. He is asking, are you planning to go all-wheel drive or just for front-wheel drive when it comes to the wagon? And how was the track day if you haven't covered it yet? Okay, so um, <laughs> the wagon, we will, we're going to keep it front-wheel drive, make it very straightforward. Um, and it, it can appeal to a wider audience as well, because most people have the front-wheel drive ones, not all-wheel drive. And it's not very common to find the all-wheel drive ones here in California. Now, for my recent track event, oh my God, what a great time. So the reason why I went to Button Willow this past weekend, on Friday with Speed District, was for Matt Farrar, great guy, journalistic enthusiast. He is really just a guy who's driven everything. In our complex here, he's driven the Odyssey van, which you guys can see on YouTube. He also drove the you know, Porsche 911, which he says still scares him to today, which is a scary, crazy vehicle. And we have the opportunity to allow him to drive this center seat boxman that we have. And my thing is I do take criticism constructively. So that being said, I really wanted to see what his take was on this, what I see as a perfectly balanced car. And I'll be pleased to share with you without stealing a lot of his thunder because he's going to do a one-take video on this. He had a blast. He had a good time. And I feel very accomplished for my team and I, you know, to be able to have a car that's so wonderful. And I'm, I'm very, very excited. So thank you so much. Yes. Um, yeah, ATBs is awesome, Eric. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, that's what we did. And I had an opportunity to drive it as well after Matt Parade did his own uh, just to get a feel of the track. And Bonneville is a nice, nice track. What I would change on my car for a track like that would be my gearing. So my gearing now is perfect for a big track like Big Willow or Fontana. But for something a little more technical, I would use a numerically higher final drive or change my individual gears uh, to give me more torque multiplication, which would be very, very nice, which is cool. So, that being said, that was my experience so far. Um, I will not, Joe, be exploring all-wheel drive in a wagon. Um, I am going to stay with the front-wheel drive. So, lap time, uh, the best I have is 203. And that's my first time on the track, and me still getting used to driving a road race car. And um, I'm still a drag racer at heart, meaning I'm not very fast in the turns. I don't have the confidence because of the power car makes, even though it's detuned. But the straightaways, I'm just at it. I'm... I'm Flooring straightaways, I'm hitting the push the pass button. I'm making up all that time on the straights and, and partial straights or the S's, as you may see. Um, but when you get to any technical part of the track, I am still struggling. So I'm going to keep practicing until I do well. I want to be a very, very good road racer. So I'm very excited about it. It's a lot of fun, you know. Okay. Yes, Ari, what else do we have? We have a question from Chenny962. Chenny962 has a question. She wants to know, where will you be today? I really oh. enjoyed your talk from Rod Emery okay. Workshop last weekend. 
Do you reveal the topic and, loca- and location prior to the show, or is it your tradition to keep it a surprise? So, today, of course, I'm here at the Beast Model facility at the headquarters here in Ontario, California. And I like to surprise you guys with the places I'm going to. Am I going to another tuning shop? Am I going to a manufacturer's place? Am I going to a restaurant? Where is it going to happen next? Now, I just do that to create an element of surprise. But if you guys want to know ahead of time where I'm going, let me know. I'll take that feedback constructively and I'll make it happen. So thank you so much. Um, Eric is asking, because of my unique style, if I had the opportunity to work on a new project, what would be a new manufacturer or brand I'd like to work with? I have not had the opportunity to play, play around with Mercedes-Benz, and I really like what they, what they do um, from, a, from a European perspective. Now, if it's someone who I am close to here, Acura would be a nice company for me to play with as well. I haven't done anything intimate with Acura yet, just the parent company, Honda. So I hope that answers your question as well. Um, AJ, he said he was sit with me at the track. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not in the car because I only have one seat. But yes, I'd be more than, more than happy to, um, to explore because you have so much experience, AJ. I'd love to learn quite a bit from you. Ontario, Canada, I would like to. I've been to Toronto. I had a great time and people were very, very nice. Um, you like the surprise? AJ likes it. Surprise mm-hmm. it is because you never know where I'll be going next. <laughs> okay, Ari's laughing at me. She gets, I'm sure she gets upset with me because we go to those crazy places and she has to stay here and make mm-hmm. sure that you customers are taken care of, you know? She like, he has five. Okay, beautiful. Okay, so what else do we have, Ari? Um, speaking of AJ, we yes. took one of his questions. AJ, we're going to address one of your questions now. Thoughts on the Subaru EJ25. EJ25. How does it compare to the best Honda four-cylinder in terms uh, of head flow, engine design, and reliable power potential? When you look at the K24 AJ, um, either from the, especially from the intake ports, which is, it's much harder to fill a cylinder than to evacuate it. So if you look at the K24 with a Z7 from the ninth gen, or you look at some of the TSX K24 heads, um, the K's flow very well, factory. Compared to EJ, there's really no comparison. And uh, what I do love about the EJ engines is that it's extremely balanced because of the flat configuration, which I find that very appealing. So you don't tend to see those fit harmonic vibrations that are quite damaging on those engines. And that's one of the reasons why I love the flat sixes on a lot of Porsches as well, because it lends themselves to the potential of doing a lot. But the oil passages for the EJ leaves a lot to be desired. And also the head port as well. So I'm very, very good at embracing heads that flow a lot. So if, if, if I had to, I would build EJs. But when it comes to power potential, the best of Hondas, the K is really, really superior. Very, very nice. Oh, thank you so much, Hawk. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much. I have been to Nürburgring uh, with all our friends uh, in Germany. Um, great guy. And uh, him and his mom have been very, very kind to us. And... Um, Yes, I've been there, but I haven't, not on a track there officially, but I've had the opportunity to experience some high speeds. And we were in the Opal, and um, uh, Abdu Todo is the guy who helped us out, uh, one of our dealers out there in Germany. And he, um, we were doing, I think like a buck or five um, miles per hour, and a Porsche just zoomed past us like we were standing still. It, it's crazy how fast you can go there without any problems. It's really cool. Um, the best flowing D-Series head will be a toss-up um, between the Y8 and Z6. So those have a lot of potential. You can open up the A6 quite a bit, but out the box, Y8s and the um, Z6s are ideal. I like the Y8s because of the quench pads, uh, but they flow very similar on the Z6, you know? Oh, by all means, Lorenzo, you know me. I'm, I'm down. I love builds. I love builds, these two. Um, yes, I have been with the dealer speed to Autobahn. Yes, I have. It's really crazy. Absolutely fantastic. It's been great. 
Um, oh, that'd be nice. I'd love to learn from you in the SUK. We'll make it happen. I'm going to hopefully speed district this coming Sunday, which is pretty nice. I said third, second, third, third. So we should have some fun. I do some more testing. I plan on testing some of my new brake compounds to see how that works because I want to be able to brake much like later, especially a car that's that light, about 2,500 pounds. That'd be good. And I'm ranting now. Okay. And Ari's giving me the look. She's like, giving me the look. Answer my questions. Okay. So Ari, what do we have? What else do we have? We have a question from Ruben. Ruben! Okay. I own a 2002 Carrera Cabriolet. Okay. With 75,000 miles on it. Okay. When should I act on the IMS bearings? I don't want to be paranoid, but also don't want my want to blow my motor. Okay. So he has a 2002, is Yes. Okay. So a 2002 Carrera. Um, M96 engine, 3.6 liter, and he's worried about the IMS bearing, which is the intermediate shaft bearing. So, what many people have noticed is that Porsche did have a bit of a challenge with the intermediate shaft bearings on the earlier water-cooled engines. And it was a very small percentage. I know that a lot of companies have made a good business out of scaring people into thinking that they should upgrade all the time because it's a ticking time bomb, and that's not the case. Less than 2% of those engines have problems but enough for concern. Now, I have engines in this facility that are being raced with factory IMS bearings. So what does that mean? It's not a death sentence to have an M96 or M97 engine. It's not a death sentence. However, you don't have to worry yourself all the time, especially if you don't hit that death rattle. What I always suggest to my customers and friends is when it comes time for you to upgrade your clutch and or flywheel, use that opportunity to upgrade it. And that'll be an easy time. It's more accessible and you can do that. Now, it depends on your comfort level. Once I have seen cars that once they get up to 30, 40,000 miles, they no longer have that challenge. You know, people just don't see the problem. It usually happens early and quickly. So by all means, a good insurance would be to change it, but don't go out of your way. Try and explore it when you change your clutch and you'll be fine, which would be great. June 8th, Button Willow, open test day. I will check and see if I'm available. That day sounds really important, like we have something going on. I'll check. See, I already thinking too, like, huh, maybe we do. But AJ, I'll keep in touch with you by all means, okay? A BC Coyote, that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. I like the guys from Ford, some of the engineers there, but they're a very difficult company to work with, which is interesting. I have decided adding good on a power plant for the Wago van, but I want to make it a secret. A surprise, no one's gonna even imagine what I'm putting in there or why. But when it happens, it'll make all the sense in the world. Hello, Antoine, good seeing you, thank you for joining us. So what are questions that we have, Ari? We got a question from VMA Kai. VMA Kai. I have a 2017 Acura TLX four-cylinder four-series. Okay. I'm sorry, K-series. K-series, okay. Um, all stock. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would be would be benefit from a custom tune over the factory tune? It occasionally idles at really low RPMs after long drives. Okay, so he has a K-series, and. Ray Lauren, hang tight. I would definitely get into that for you, okay? Um, about degreeing a 3.6 camshaft. So, he has a K-series and wants to know, can he benefit from a tune? Absolutely. So, Honda Challenge is a series here that's very, very popular in Southern California. You know, H2, H4 guys, they come here quite a bit. And they are restricted many a time to running factory power plants and cannot modify them at all. Above and beyond, maybe a cold air intake, maybe a header. But they cannot touch the engine itself on many of those classes. And they gain, wow, 12 to 25 horsepower to the wheels with a proper tune. Honda leaves a lot on the table 
because um, they don't know what you're going to do with it. They don't know if you're going to end up putting some crazy camshafts or the factory ECU. They have no idea what you're going to do with the car, so they, make, they, they keep a very conservative factory tune in there for you. So for someone like yourself who's an enthusiast, you can benefit quite a bit. We have S2000 that come here and gain 25 wheel horsepower on a stock F20, stock F22C. So you can definitely gain, especially if you're having some idling issues. There could be something going on <clears throat> with the age of your engine. So that may be a challenge there. Let me get some water here. So by all means, yes, you can. With a flash or even a proper tune, you can gain some good, reliable power. Reliability is very, very important to me. So that being said, okay, Bezel Chump is asking, do we look for turns? We always accept interns. So that being said, send a resume to lablab at bcmodel.com, lab at bcmodel.com. And if you meet a criteria, you can come on by. And many people have done great things here and moved on to even from great OEM manufacturers and even some people in aerospace as well. So by all means, we're here to help. So to answer the question that came up earlier about degreeing a level 3.6 cam, absolutely. Every cam that Ari sends out has a very nice, I don't, I, people tend to throw them away, I don't know why. Maybe because we're American. We <laughs> throw everything away. Throw everything away. There is a very, very nice spec sheet that comes with it that has a degreeing data and everything, opening and closing numbers, where to you know, set up at the 110 center line. It has all that stuff, last numbers. So it comes with a cam card. By all means, use that. Now, let's say that you don't have access to any equipment in the world to degree a camshaft in properly with the numbers we gave you. There's a very simple way of doing it. Go to Dyna. Set it up at zero in cam gear. And I have a weird inkling that you'll hover around one to two degrees advance on your camshaft, depending on how much milling you have on your head or decking you have your block. That could be exacerbated, um, by all means. Because every time you bring the center line of the crankshaft and camshaft together, you'll naturally um, retard the timing on that. So you may have to do that by all means. So go on the dyno, use one cam degree, which is two crank degree increments, and you'll see the optimum power for that. But by all means, the green is ideal. If you degree, you don't even need more things on the cam gears. You can have a blank cam gear, and using opening and closing numbers, you can get to your ideal specifications that we tested and developed here that works extremely well for boosted applications for 3.6. Great cam. The best camshaft out there, period, for any D-series. Spools like factory, but makes 80 horsepower more than competitors. It's awesome. Sick stuff. Okay. Yes, sir. Question from Tomashi. Tomashi has a question for us. Have you and uh, Akira Nakai done anything together? Okay, so he's asking if Akira Nakai from RWB and I have done stuff together. That's a very common question. We've done a lot of cars. If you look at my feed, you see a black 964 back date. You see a car that we did for EA, for Need for Speed franchise, which is also a collaboration between RWB and Bisimoto. You see an orange, crazy wide body 993 with NA setup, ITBs, combination of Nakai and Bisimoto. You also see this Crimson Castles off brown twin turbo fire shooting setup. That's another one. So we've done quite a few by all means. And that being said, um, that's just, we've done quite a bit, and more to come, because I love that team. Those guys are really nice. Nakai is very creative, uh, especially in terms of body and paint where I lack, and I'm pretty crazy when it comes to engine design and efficiency and power. Um, AJ is asking, what does the level 3.6 mean? Why no 3.4, 3.5? Well, 3.6 is just a designation I gave to um, uh, turbocharged camshafts. So in the Beast Motor Arsenal, you see a variety of camshafts, and you notice that the naturally aspirated camshafts are like level 1, Level 2, Level 3, and then Level X. 
Then on the boosted side, you see level 1.2. You see a pattern there with level 2.4, then 3.6. I don't have any 4.8 yet, but I do have something crazier for those who just want to be on the edge. So it's just different nomenclature for NA versus boosted so they're not confused. And can they cross over? Not really. They typically optimize for each setup. For example, I have a specialized nitrous cam that's a level 2.3. And that's something that has, is very similar to a level 2, but it has a lot more exhaust duration to help you evacuate the gases that are formed when you use nitrous. So I hope that helps properly, AJ. Thank you so much. Okay. Yes, Ari, what else do we have? We have a good question from, the, from 1982. The Niners? The Niners. 1982, the Niners? 1992. 1992, the Niners, okay. <laughs> I have a customer that is having issues finding a tuning solution due to the fact that the Benz he has is a has a turbo V12 with oh. 24 spark plugs. Okay. Any imp input on that? Yes. So definitely you can use something like an AM Infinity. AM has, you know, versions that can handle 10 cylinders, 12 cylinders, and without you having to worry about going some kind of crazy wasted spark, by all means, contact AEM, or we can help you with that as well. Find a solution. The only caveat is you have to have a fairly popular uh, uh, crank wheel pattern, which is like 60 minus 2, which most Mercedes Benz are. So that shouldn't be a challenge whatsoever. But by all means, our friends for AEM have a solution for you. AEM Finney, that's the way to go, and it's fantastic. I have it pretty much on everything you have. That, get one for the Viper, have it on the van. It's pretty cool. Okay. Yes, Ari? Buchanan 930. Buchanan 930. I like your name. He's asking, what kind of lap times does the Cayman Twin do at Willow Springs and Button Willow? Okay, so at Willow Springs, each time I've gone out there, because I do not want to put myself in a position where I'm too worried about times, I just want to test the car out. I haven't really done any crazy spiritual driving there. I, have, I refuse to have a transponder. However, um, how are we doing? Are we doing okay so far? Okay. okay. However, at... I mentioned just a moment ago, at Buttonwillow, first time out, and that's me being very gentle with me driving, because I'm crazy, um, I did a 203 on that. So my goal is to definitely get into the sub twos and go deep into that. So that's what we have so far. So I hope that answers your question properly. Okay. What else do we have, Ari? A question from Atney Paris. Atney Paris. I'm thankful for your reporting of pure all performance gains. Would you recommend it for a stock 2.7 987, I'm sorry, 987 Boxster, and what gains can I expect? Okay. Also wondering if Pure will increase lifetime of existing IMS bearings. Yes, 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 and yes. So you definitely can use your Porsche. I use the uh, 10W40, which has very high levels of zinc and phosphorus, which and, and extremely reliable and cools down very nicely as well. I wouldn't put anything else in my Porsches or even my customer Porsches out here. And it does help lubricate the IMS bearings properly as well, which you'll see great results. I was crazy enough to run, because I always, whenever I push my Porsches and I pull the engines apart, I see this weird webbing um, from other oils, especially if I use any kind of exotic fuels, even 91 octane here in California. And it always concerned me. And I said, okay, let me see. I know something's going on. My oil is breaking down very easily. So I did upgrade to Purell and did the same thing, pull the engines apart, and they look really good. I put a post up my early sessions for this in Tech Tuesday and I showed photos of it. It's amazing. It's a really great compound of all the things I've seen out there. It's fantastic. And I always ask the engineers up here, like, how is it that your compound is so superior? What is so unique about it? And they tell me that the technology that we have in the automotive scene, it's so antiquated. Yes, the oils they sell to us, racers and enthusiasts and, and conventional oils at stores, is old technology. 
in aerospace where the PRL guys are from, they're constantly evolving. They see more heat and friction than we see in automotive. So they're always improving. And they brought that technology, if not the same compound, to us. So I'm seeing these great results that I'm not used to, and it's shocking, but it's really, it's great stuff. And I love, I love it so much. I have pallets of that stuff like that. I love this stuff. I just use it so much. Hello, Ben. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. Oh, Ray Lauren, my pleasure. I think you got one of the ones I hand engraved myself by signing. So thank you so much. And thanks for your patience as well for waiting for that. I know we've been back ordered a little bit on those cam gears. So thanks for your patience indeed. Okay. Yes, Ari. Kenny Boy is asking. Kenny Boy. Hopefully you're here watching us this wonderful afternoon. What causes a supercharger to have that distinct whining sound? Yes. And is there any way I could ship my BC Moto Hot Wheels van to you and be signed at and the card signed by some of the BC Moto team and any chance we could see some of the rest of the team? I think it'd be cool to see more behind the scenes of the company. Okay, so to answer your question first about the whine of superchargers, if you look at the construction of the supercharger, above and beyond the belt, which causes some whine there, especially if you have some kind of cog belt, the veins of the superchargers interacting with each other does a very nice high-pitched whine. Um, it says I have a poor connection. It just paused me. I'm going to try and reconnect. Hopefully, I can reconnect. Your video keeps freezing. Also frozen. Someone said Netflix. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, race mode. It says one frame per five seconds. Just froze. Must be the Wi-Fi. So what I'm going to do, Aries, I may have to come out and come back in uh, with that Wi-Fi. I got this Wi-Fi so that we can do this easily. Okay. So guys, hang tight. I'm going to go out and come back in. So I'm going to end this, end the live video. I'm going to share this for those of you on Facebook and also on the podcast. Please bear with me. I'm going to share this and I'm going to come back in after I get out of this airplane mode <laughs> and get on my Wi-Fi. And hopefully no one disturbs me. Uh, Do not disturb on. See if that helps. Mm -hmm. And we are going to go back in. Okay, and I'm going to connect live. Checking my connection. And let's see what happens. Let me know if I come up. So once again, guys, YouTube, thank you so much for, for your patience. And for those of you on the podcasting, thank you as well. Okay, it tells me that I'm live. It's going to let my followers know that I am live now. And hopefully it won't be so horrible to everyone. Let's give them a few moments to come in. Anything else? None on my end. Oh, you have left analogy. So this is an LTE. Again. Okay. Okay. Uh, top video is checking my connection. I know my YouTube guys are gonna be so upset with me now <laughs> doing all this. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. I was just so excited because we got this new Wi-Fi system. I thought it'd be fast enough I to know, keep going. I know, but then maybe squeezed. back here is just not. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's, it's we're downloading stuff. Let's check my connection. I'm just on regular 3G. 
Okay, let's try this again. Anything yet? Nothing yet, because I don't see anyone coming in. Okay. So it's just one viewer. Tell you what, let's go ahead and um, pause this and we'll do a second iteration okay. of this. So, guys, uh, YouTube will come right back. Thank you for waiting. Okay. Let's continue. So I'm continuing where we stopped off. Okay, guys. Hello. Thank you so much for being part of this, Ali. We had some really big technical difficulties a moment ago, so I sincerely apologize for kicking everyone off and having this freezing. I was trying a new Wi-Fi system here at the facility, and it seems not to be in our favor. So thank you so much for your understanding. Okay. Ari, what are the questions that we have that we can answer as we, we wait for other people to come in? We have a question from Zephyr Callahan. Zephyr Callahan. What do you think would be the ultimate build and why? And let's get into specifications. Is it a track car or a drift build? How much horsepower? NA, supercharger, turbocharger, wow. inline, V, or flat? And if it's swapped, what engine? So in my opinion, he wants to know the perfect build that I would have. And welcome back, everyone. The perfect build that I would have for myself would combine turbocharging, an internal combustion engine, and an EV motor. So that way I can really have the best of all worlds. I want to be able to disable the petrol engine at liberty. I love to be able to take advantage of the immediate torque that an electric motor applies at one RPM. And when I get to the point where the spool occurs for the turbo, I want to be able to take off and augment that power very nicely. And I like to be able to, instead of having an intermediate motor assist that exists between the engine and gearbox, I like to have the electric motors controlling, let's say, the front wheels. And then the real wheels can be really actuated by the petrol engine that's turbocharged. That way, I can eat my kick and have it too. I can cruise around EV with batteries. I can have the soul and sound of a crazy turbocharged application. I have more power and torque than I can shake a stick out across the entire power band. And that will allow me to have a vehicle that can do well in road racing and drag racing, which is fun, and also be a very nice commuter uh, by driving around the street. So I hope that that helps. Thank you so much, MDAA. We have them on the site, bcmo.com. Appreciate that. I love turbochargers. In California, you get a Bissimoto Racing t-shirt. Now, AJ says it lags every. So now, I am not on Wi-Fi. I'm directly connected to the network. And he says it lags every three seconds. So, guys, let me know if you're having any difficulty. Maybe something going on with, with Instagram. I sincerely apologize for this. I'm trying to help as much as possible. Now, I have people coming in and, and leaving. So, maybe they're not happy with what's going on. But let's try and get through it and see what happens. Okay. Yes, sorry. Question from AJ. AJ, I'm asking you a question right now, so thank you so much for hanging out. How much of an increase in power would you be able to obtain through the use of aluminum rods over steel rods mm -hmm. when pushing an engine to the max using the F22 or K24Z7 as an example? And what would be the different procedures in building an engine with aluminum rods? Okay, so great question about aluminum rods. So to answer your first part of the question, say it stops every three seconds. How's everyone else doing? Um, because if everyone else is seeing the same problem, I may have to go out and come back in, which would be quite unfortunate. 
but I may have to do that. Um, how is everyone else hearing me? Are you guys hearing okay, or is it still a challenge? I'm waiting for a response to see how everyone hears me properly. Do you guys hear me properly? Thank you so much, New Jersey. Thank you, New Jersey Stench. Appreciate that. I had a good time filming that. Okay, I think everyone hears me okay. Yes, I think everyone hears me okay. Okay, so that being said, to answer your question, uh, AJ, the power doesn't change with the capabilities of aluminum rod or steel rod. You can make the same amount of power, um, all things being equal, being the center to center distance being the same. Now, the caveat is in terms of liability. When you have any kind of challenges or detonation, with a steel rod, it transfers it straight to the crankshaft, which can be quite a bit of a challenge. As you can imagine, on the crank itself, on the crank bearings, on the main studs, quite a bit. Now, here is to answer your third question about the differences. Not only do you have to provide at least a minimum of 50,000 clearance in the bottom end in the crankcase area, it's very important that you have adequate piston to valve clearance. I mean, piston to head clearance. So, what you may see in the steel rod, most people give like a 30,000 piston to head because the steel rods do tend to stretch just a little bit. With aluminum, depending, depending on the, what's hung at the end of the rod, being a heavier or lighter piston, dimension of the piston itself, you could be anywhere from 55 to 70,000 piston valve, piston head clearance. So that being said, when aluminum rods are very cold, if you give it the same 30,000 pieces of the head as a steel rod, when it expands and heats up, it will contact the head. So the aluminum rods tend to expand quite a bit. They're much more forgiving. Think of them as shock absorbers for the engine. So if you ever have problems or challenges, the aluminum rods, especially if you're running fuels that are very violent, you know, some of the olefin-based fuels, some of the alcohols where people add, some companies are adding a little bit of nitro. Even the nitro guys, it's a very violent uh, um, explosion there. A lot of shock waves can travel down the steel rod very easily while the aluminum can do a good job in absorbing that. So that being said, that is some of the challenges that you can experience. And I hope that answers your question properly, AJ. And hopefully you guys can all hear me properly still. Because I see people coming in and out. Okay. Another yes, question from 1992, the Niners. 1992. <laughs> it's still like on, it may be your internet, AJ. It may be, because everyone else seems to be okay. But you're saying? I'm going to be running 82 millimeters P7300 Nipon Racing Pistons, okay, my basic okay. NAGSR. Okay. But when I went to check the green gaps, the top was a 0 0.17 to a 0 0.19, which yeah. is okay, but larger than what I would prefer. Yes. But the second rings I have is 0 0.35 gap, oh, and that's it's big. way out of the ballpark yeah, for what I'm shooting for. Yeah. Do you know of any good rings I could use with the pistons I have? Well, you can source rings from a lot of manufacturers. Nippon, they have access to rings themselves. NPR rings I use with success. Um, once in a while, Deeves, Hastings. So if you, if you don't have an, a relationship with these ring companies, call up the guys from Trom, and they can get you a set of rings, um, any dimension you need within reason. And then Chesse, he has a blurry picture there, and Veloce say he has good, he's good there, or she's good there. Well, it's like all over the place, so it must be something with Instagram, so forgive me. But contact our friends from Trom Pistons. Uh, Trom Pistons, you can see them on Instagram, you can see them on YouTube, you can see them on Facebook. But, you know, you can look them up on, online as well. And uh, I know Zephyr said we need a beast mode of power Wi-Fi. You're absolutely correct. Okay, it's okay now. Good. Um, so they can help you out with those rings, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, 35,000 is huge. That's a 
big gap. You, I don't think I've ever had a car, even cars that make 250 horsepower per cylinder, I have not had a car here with that much gap. That's, that's crazy. Okay. Hello, Ruben or Pablo. Good seeing you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dark. Appreciate the kind words and the insight. Okay, Ari, how are we doing? Question from Diego92. Diego92 has a question. He's referencing to the picture on the, your Tech Tuesday picture. Okay. What if someone was to rear-end you? Oh, someone rear-ends me? Um, it would be the same challenge as anyone who gets rear-ended. Um, if you get rear-ended, you damage stuff in anyway. It depends on how much energy is being uh, uh, put into your chassis or yourself. So either way, if I get rear-ended, it could be as cost-effective or cost-prohibitive as someone who didn't have turbos in the rear. So that being said, is I don't look forward to that. I don't build cars thinking that I will die. I don't build cars thinking that I'm a throwaway resource. I don't build cars thinking that someone's going to hit me. I, I do what I find appealing. So if someone rear-ends me, I just have to repair it like anyone else would. And it could be cost-effective or not. So I hope that answers your question properly. Interesting question indeed. Okay. Another question from 1992, the Niners. 1992, the Niners. Do you know if there is any notable flow difference between the PR4 and P75 Honda LS heads? Yes, those heads aren't lend themselves very well to performance, and I've never had a need to flow them, so I don't have that data for you. I really don't. Um, LS heads, just looking at them, they're not ideal for me, so I, I haven't explored them at all. So I'm sorry I don't have that answer to that question for you. And our last question comes from AJ. AJ, you get to get the wrap last question. Wrap it up. <laughs> Most power possible on a four-cylinder using nitrous or a supercharger. Okay, so superchargers depend on, just like you would with turbocharging, it depends on the size of the, turbo, um, the supercharger cell, the veins, the construction. You can, wow. What I have seen physically myself is, in a, is about a 1,000 horsepower H22 engine. And, you know, the only challenge with supercharge is that it takes energy to drive it. So you can use up on an inline four-cylinder on a high-horsepower application up to 200 horsepower to drive that supercharger. So you can get to a point where you can have limitations. But companies like, wow, Vortec, Procharger, they make really big units. And it's just unfortunate that a lot of, in the Honda world, people don't tend to explore those. And it's in the Porsche world, people don't explore those either. So I'm sure that with enough, enough attention, or even if we took the time to explore that, we come up with a lot of great stuff. So I wouldn't mind showing the capabilities of superchargers. And when it comes to nitrous, wow, think about it. Nitrous is a chemical supercharger. So that being said, instead of um, getting power by cramming as much oxygen as possible, you're injecting an oxygen-rich gas into the engine. And the only challenge is being able to control the combustion with that. So you can easily mimic what you do with turbocharger with nitrous, but you have to have a lot of safety measures in place and, you know, you have a lot of variables as well with the pressure in the tank, uh, being able to warm it properly, uh, distribution in terms of um, to each cylinder, um, fuel ratios. There's so many things, heat range of plugs. But I don't see a challenge mimicking what people do with turbocharged NI4s with nitrous. And superchargers may be right there slightly less just because of the parasitic drag or losses that come with building those setups and taking energy to create energy. So I hope that helps. So, AJ, thank you so much for your questions as always. And, guys, thank you so much for being with me here this afternoon. I apologize sincerely for the strange challenges we had today um, in regard to our uh, Wi-Fi setup, which I've come back from that as well. I know everyone's thing is lagging and it's, it's, it keeps skipping bad. So hopefully next week we have a better chance than today. Just something going on with the network. But I've changed networks and it's still doing it. So maybe something's up with Instagram. But... Nonetheless, guys, I'll keep this up for the next 24 hours um, here on Instagram Live. 
uh, so you can see on our stories, and it'll be up on YouTube in a few hours as well. And you can also go on iTunes, on the public radio, or even Anchor to listen to this live as well. Um, anyone have input on motor swaps with 2016 Civics? The only thing that I see that could happen short term is swapping a Type R engine. So the guys from HPD do have a setup that allows you very, very easily to buy a crate motor for a cost-effective price and swap it over. And it shouldn't be very challenging. It should be a very nice upgrade to that. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate the kind words all the way from Nigeria. Thank you so much. The BRZ FA20 engine, weaknesses and inefficiencies, um, thinking about pushing the tune. So definitely we have seen very weak rods. Um, so you definitely want to upgrade that. You want to upgrade your pistons as well because we've seen ring lines break on that as well. I love the fact that those engines are very balanced because they're opposing fours. And also there are some opportunities with the intake manifold, which is very restrictive. But you can have a lot of fun with that, especially if you supercharge it, which is nice. You can have a crap load of fun if you do turbocharge it. Hello, Let's Auto from Canada. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. My pleasure, Ross Swagger. Thank you so much. And guys, thank you so much for bearing with me with this crazy network situation today. I sincerely apologize for that. Sorry about that, guys. I had to come out and come back in. So I apologize for that indeed. Try to have to find a way to make this better for everyone next time. My pleasure, Eric. Okay, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. I'm going to travel and pick up some pots and get back here to the office before the rest of the team come in. So enjoy the rest of your day. Give us some feedback above and beyond our network issues today. <laughs> Ari, thank you again once again for helping me with this this afternoon. And guys, stay tuned and see you soon. Cheers. <laughs>